Welcome to the East CareerCast. I am Stefan Leichter, your host today for this podcast. This is one in a series that focuses on the fellowship training in surgical critical care and trauma. Today, we will discuss the unique points of a surgical critical care fellowship for emergency medicine physicians. And we are very grateful to have Dr. Jay Menacher with us. Dr. Menacher is an emergency medicine physician and associate professor of surgery at the University of Maryland School of Medicine's R. Adams College of Trauma Center. He has a dual appointment in emergency medicine and surgery, and he is the medical director of Shock Trauma's Critical Care Resuscitation Unit. Dr. Menacher earned his medical degree from Jefferson Medical College in Philadelphia and completed his residency in emergency medicine at the University of Maryland Medical Center in Baltimore. He did a surgical critical care fellowship at Shock Trauma Medical Center. Dr. Menacher, thanks so much for being here. Thank you for inviting me. I'm happy to be here today. Well, so let's get started, but before we get into the why of a surgical critical care fellowship for emergency medicine physicians, um, do you know how common it is, how, you know, how many percent of uh, ED physicians out there actually pursue critical care fellowship training? I don't know specifically the numbers. I think in general it's a, it's a small amount, but it is definitely increasing, uh, especially since now there are more avenues for emergency medicine physicians to obtain critical care uh, training. So it's definitely on the rise. Um, but it's definitely overall, it's a relatively minority of ED-trained physicians. Okay, and uh, we will talk a little bit about the different avenues that uh, you can go down to uh, get critically uh, certified in critical care as ED physician, but one way or the other, it certainly is not an easy way and uh, quite, a, uh, quite a busy fellowship. So the big question, I guess, is why should ED physicians even consider pursuing additional training in, in critical care in general? Um, are there new workplace opportunities, benefits for the everyday work life as an ED physician? What was your motivation for that? Uh, I think uh, the first part of your question, why they should do it, I think is probably multifactorial. A, uh, critical care patients are staying in the emergency rooms longer and longer these days with you know hospital flow and, and trouble getting to the intens- intensive care unit. So ED physicians that are subspecialized in critical care, I definitely think provide better care for those patients if they have that background. Uh, additionally, you know, for those who do the training, it does give them the opportunity to work in critical care settings. So to some degree, it gives them a little variation or variety in their practice, which, uh, you know, a lot of people sort of like to do different things and not necessarily do the same thing every day. In terms for me, uh, you know, always as an emergency medicine resident, I was sort of, you know, like most people say, sort of interested in the sick or the sickest patient. Uh, but where I trained, I was, I was fortunate enough to train in the shock trauma center as well. And sort of that surgical critical care bug was sort of, you know, instilled upon me by a lot of my experiences there. So that's sort of why I went into it, obviously, you know, through my experiences during training. Uh, perfect. So I think it sounds quite a bit what you will probably hear if you ask surgeons why they do critical care fellowship and want to work in the ICU. It's this interest in taking care of the critically ill patient. And in our case, it's uh, not stopping after the operation when the patient goes to the ICU. In the ED case, it's not stopping when you've got the patient for the first hour and the patient gets admitted. But you can really you can use your training in the ED when the patient comes in and is really sick, but you also have the chance to go to the ICU after that. So both are really opportunities you can uh, you can do. Um, in terms of your time, uh, what would you say? How much time do you actually spend in the ICU per month? Um, how many how many weeks um, to kind of get an idea of how much ICU plays a role in your everyday uh, work life? Currently, actually, all my time is in the ICU. I don't actually do any emergency medicine anymore. When I first was done my training, I did do a, a split between the two. 
but over time, I sort of gravitated more to the intensive care unit. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of emergency medicine trained physicians do similar things. Uh, some actually gravitate more towards the emergency department away from critical care, but a lot of people trained in the critical care will actually migrate more to the critical care and less to the emergency room over time. I do think, as I said, I think most people do start out in a 50-50 split to some degree, uh, but I think over time they usually gravitate to one or the other. But currently all my time is in the intensive care unit. Okay. So most importantly, I think for uh, potential applicants, it sounds like you basically can pursue whatever you like. So it's perfectly possible to uh, stay mainly in the ED and just have the additional knowledge. It's possible to completely move over into the ICU or do a split in between. Yeah, you know, the the opportunities are becoming more and more every day. And, you know, as we talked about, having both training gives you the opportunity to almost create your own job uh, to some degree. You know, there's a little – everybody does the split differently, uh, but to some degree you have the luxury of creating your own job to to make you most satisfied. Excellent. Well, you obviously did a surgical critical care fellowship. I'm a trauma surgeon. This is East. We're all biased towards surgical critical (laughs) care. But let's try to be somewhat objective and talk about what are the advantages, maybe disadvantages or differences of going down the surgical critical care route versus going down anesthesia or pulmonary medicine. I think it really depends on what you want to do in a career. So obviously, surgical critical care are much heavier in the surgery. Uh, the medicine, obviously more heavy in medicine. Anesthesia is a little bit of a combination. And even here at the University of Maryland, all the fellows from the different areas rotate in the different services. So you have the anesthesia and the surgery. You have the surgical people will do some medicine and the, the medical trained um, resident um, track will rotate in surgery. So here you get a little bit of everything. Obviously, depending on what track you're in, will determine where you spend a majority of your time. But I think people really need to ask themselves what kind of patient population they really truly want to deal with. If they really want to work in a community ICU, then medicine is probably a better route for them. If they want to work in more academic centers, uh, possibly you know in a, in a trauma center or one that has a big surgical uh, presence, doing a surgical training fellowship would obviously be better. So that's any time anybody interviews here and is really contemplating, and that's sort of the discussion I have with them. They sort of need to decide really what they want to do uh, because that should, that almost answers the question on which path would be best for them. Okay, excellent. Um, so uh, just to clarify, as an ED physician, you do have the options of going into all three fields. Is that correct, or is anything still blocked at this point? No, currently you can do any of the three. You can do anesthesia, you can do medicine, or you can do surgery, and each program has a little bit different requirements, but you can do either the three and sit for board certification through those uh, specialties. Okay, excellent. Do you work with colleagues um, at Shock Trauma Center or anybody that you know personally that uh, is an ED physician and then went into one of the other areas? Uh, currently, all the, our people here have done uh, the surgical fellowship, although we do have a lot of the, rot- as I said, we have the rotating EM fellows through the medicine and anesthesia rotate with us uh, in the Shock Trauma Center. One of uh, somebody is coming back to join us who actually did emergency medicine and actually was trained through the pulmonary fellowship track here. So we will have uh, one of those starting in August. Um, so we will have those. And one of our colleagues who was here for a little bit, she actually did the anesthesia track. So we've had all the tracks over some time, uh, but currently the, the ones we have have all done the surgical track. 
Very good. And I do think having uh, people that train in different aspects um, is actually quite valuable for, for applicants and for trainees because uh, you do get a very unique and different perspective if you talk to somebody that knows critical care from the internal medicine side or from the anesthesia side. So that's excellent. Yeah, no, I, t I totally agree. You know, everybody brings their experiences uh, to the table. Now, let's talk more about the formal aspects of the application, of the fellowship application process. Um, first of all, when you finish the, uh, the SEC fellowship, um, how does it work after that? Do you sit for the, uh, for the American Board of Surgery board exam? Is it a different exam? Or um, how are the parallels here to uh, somebody that comes from, from general surgery? You sit for the same surgical critical care boards as the surgical fellows do. It's uh, approved by the American Board of Surgery, and that's that's what the track is through, and that, that's the board certification. Okay, perfect. Now, the uh, board certificate, then, you get from the American Board of Surgery. Do you get anything additionally from the uh, American Board of uh, Emergency Medicine? Do they recognize your additional training, or is this simply separate, this kind of a different specialization? Well, the, the, actually, the American Board of Emergency Medicine really, you know, the certifications are through surgery, medicine, and anesthesia, so you don't get anything additional mm -hmm. from emergency medicine. Okay. Now, um, is this a one- or a two-year fellowship, or what do you need to do to get to the point of being a surgical critical care trained ED physician? So currently, it is a two-year fellowship, and the first year is designed as a quote-unquote general surgery year, and the requirements are to some degree vague. Uh, the specifics are you have to do the general surgery year before the critical care year. So sometimes applicants will say, well, you know, I did, you know, a critical care fellowship, but in the past it wasn't approved. Can I just come back and do one year? That you can't do. So to some degree, it's a little strict, and you have to do that preliminary year, as they call it, and then the year of critical care. However, the preliminary year is a little, there's some room that each um, program can create their own first year. Okay, good. So um, I guess not too many applicants might be in the situation, but in theory, if somebody has maybe done a surgery prelim year, um, that is something that actually could count for. That is somebody that, say, started like this, then went into ED and now wants to do critical care, that uh, that might count the surgery prelim year? It is possible. Those are one of those things on individual cases we have to go through the board and make sure that everything is okay, but it is possible. Okay. Now, um, it's not the focus of this career cast, but it was actually last week, but let's talk about some um, aspects of the application um, for ED residents, since those are obviously different timelines than our five-year general surgery residency. When do ED residents have to think about applying and then when they have to go online and uh, work on the application? Most uh, towards the end of, it depends whether they're in a two- or three-year program. So if they're in a three-year program towards the end of their second year, uh, is when they start needing to apply because interviews are usually done July, August because uh, we are now part of the match, and I believe the match list needs to be sometime in September. Uh, so, as I said, it's if you're in a three-year program towards the end of your second year, if you're in a four-year emergency medicine program towards the end of your third year. Okay, and you're using the same SAFA system that uh, we discussed in the podcast uh, with Dr. Chu last week that the uh, general surgeons also use, right? Yes, correct. Okay, perfect. And uh, then just to emphasize again, um, as discussed last week, it is the SAFA system, and then you also have to register for the NRMP match, and you match just like uh, the uh, surgery applicants as well. That is correct. Now, during the EDA residency, is there anything that um, residents that think they might be interested in critical care, anything they can do to prepare for the fellowship um, in terms of um, 
specializing in something, reading up, doing courses, anything that you feel might really be beneficial when you enter the fellowship if you've done that before? I think, you know, doing some electives in a more surgical critical care rotation would probably be helpful. Obviously, you know, trying to have your CV as, you know, as much as you can in terms of publications and presentations. I think the reality is emergency medicine residencies are often not designed as surgical residencies are to have ample time for publications and things like that. Uh, so it is a little less um, strict in terms of what the requirements are, but obviously, you know, having some recommendations and people who have either done surgery or trauma would be helpful. And obviously any additional stuff that people can do just in general to make them sort of stand out. Uh, a lot of times, you know, it, it is a relatively small community, so obviously knowing, you know, if someone knows you, that may be helpful as well. But uh, as I said, emergency medicine training is, is not set up as surgery are that they have ample opportunity to be very productive from a uh, research standpoint. Okay. Um, now, going into the uh, the SCC Fellowship uh, as an ED physician, um, if you think back about your time, are there any unique challenges or anything that really is unique coming from that background, maybe in a both good and bad way, um, as opposed to somebody coming the classic way from the General Surgery Fellowship? And obviously, some of the challenges are you don't always understand what may have been done in the operating room or where, you know, patients that come out of the operating room with multiple drains, you have a little less of a sense of where things are. But that's one of the reasons that it's now a two-year fellowship. You know, that first year is really meant as a general surgery year, uh, understanding that obviously after one year, emergency medicine physicians are not going to be surgeons. But the, the goal is to really start understanding the disease of surgery, seeing these patients pre-op, intra-op, and post-operatively. So just getting in the operating room and being able to see, you know, all those things that, that you saw as a third-year medical student on your surgery clerkship, you, you get a better sense of. So those were some challenges, but I think they have designed the, the training now that, that is not as challenging as it, as it was in the past, at least from the, surge, the critical care standpoint. Um, in terms of the emergency medicine training, you know, emergency medicine physicians are trained to sort of deal with a lot of things all at the same time and, you know, not necessarily having time to to be patient and to think about things. So I think that sometimes when you're in a busy ICU or busy critical care settings, I think that background may be helpful um, as opposed to maybe the surgical training. Although you understand the disease of surgery, uh, it is often of a more uh, controlled learning environment. Good. Well, and I think in the end, uh, both uh, us as trauma surgeons and, uh, and you as ED physicians, we both kind of like being in this uh, somewhat organized case and just having to deal with a lot of problems at the same time and trying to fix things as they uh, as they come. So I think that actually uh, um, adds up quite nicely there and complements each other. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, it, the training is different and what people are doing is different, but sort of that, as you said, the organized chaos is the same, just coming at it from different viewpoints. Okay, perfect. Well, kind of finally taking the uh, the, the thirty thousand foot view, um, the big overview. Is there one piece of advice that uh, you'd like to give anybody listening in now that is a needy physician and uh, is interested in a critical care fellowship? Um, any piece of advice uh, that uh, you could give? Yeah, I, I think that as time goes along, you know, things have even changed over the last five or ten years. I think critically ill patients, whether it's surgical or medical, are staying in the emergency departments longer and longer. And I think that if 
people who are critically care trained can often provide better care for those patients. And even if people don't want to work in an ICU or surgical ICU, I think having that additional training um, will serve the patients in the emergency room better. Uh, you know, we get a lot of transfers from outside hospitals of critically ill patients that, you know, why are they being sent to us? Because the, the small community hospitals, unfortunately, don't have the capabilities. And, you know, as good as the job that the community hospital do, I think people with, you know, if they had a critical care training um, could provide even better care than they already are in that community to, to allow those patients to get here to have a better chance to fight whatever illness or injury that they have. So I, I don't see a downside to getting more training. Obviously, there's time and there's some financial implications of it. But in terms of if you think about it, of a 20- or 30-year career, one or two years may not be that big of a deal, and I think it could serve the physician well no matter what they do with it. Uh, perfect. And I think that is true probably for all fellowships. If you just look at the financial aspects, uh, then, of course, none of the fellowships make sense. But in the end, it all helps us to provide better care to our patients and simply to, to do what we're most interested in. And that's what's most important if you have the long-term perspective. Yeah, and I, I also think it creates a, somewhat of a unique niche for, for people from a skill set to a knowledge set to allow it to educate others, you know, Emergency medicine is very big on finding a niche, you know, because everybody, whether it's ultrasound or, you know, whatever it is, you know, having that little extra, you know, specialty, I think, will serve people good in the long run. Well, perfect. Excellent. Well, on behalf of the East Career Development Committee, I'd like to thank you, Dr. Menaka, for taking the time to speak with us. I'm Stefan Leichter. I hope you enjoyed the program. Please visit the EAST website at east.org for more EAST career podcasts and other valuable information. Thanks so much.